MCH Photography Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of my podcast where I talk with sports photographers from all over the world. For those who have not heard any other episode yet and might not know me, uh, my name is Marian Hitke and I'm myself a sports photographer covering mainly motorsports events all over the world. I have done Ready Dakar nine times, shot a lot of MotoGPs, WRC, WRX, recently some F1. I've been working with athletes such as Valentino Rossi, Lewis Hamilton, Ken Block, mainly because I work for Monster Energy a lot. But as I can't travel right now and there are no events to shoot, I've just created this podcast where I interview other photographers from from the industry. So I can give you some inside tips for, for your own career. All the interviews are broadcasted live on my Instagram, which is mchphotocz. So if you want to join it live, uh, I do two interviews a week. One is in English and that's every Thursday at 7pm Central European time. Uh, and there's also one I do in Czech. So I'm from the Czech Republic, but uh, that's on Monday, but I guess you won't understand anyway. So Thursday is the time <clears throat> to go on Instagram and follow it live. Uh, so you can also ask me or to get some, some questions as well. Uh, that's a good thing about it. Unfortunately, the, the, audio, the audio is not always the best, but I guess it's more than enough to go through it and it's definitely worth it. And you might also hear us like to, to go through some of the questions that, that appear live. So it's gonna be like a few times we jump to jump to something else and got back. So and like when we were scrolling through through the questions. So so that's because we were doing it live on live on Instagram. This is episode number eight. Uh, it's actually fourth in English and, and I'm gonna be talking to Larry Chen. I guess there's no introduction needed as anyone who's a bit into automotive industry knows Larry's photos. Uh, I always try to say a few sentences about what the photographer who I'm going to talk to uh, does, but in here it's just impossible to explain in only a few words. So uh, I guess I would end up with an extremely long list and would forget to, to mention several things anyway. So if you want to have an idea, just go to his website larrychenphoto.com and check his impressive portfolio. If there was anything to mention, uh, it would be probably Formula Drift Series, Spikes Peak, Hoonigans, uh, Speed Hunters, but, and basically anything related to cars in the US and all over the world. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Larry about how he started photography, which is quite interesting as well, as he was a paparazzi at first, uh, what it took to get to the point where he is right now. I mean, he, he, for example, he said it took him about five years to, to, to get to the point where he actually started to make some money out of cars photography. And during that time, he was like, he was also doing uh, the paparazzi thing just to earn money. So he was able to travel to, to, to the motorsport events and shows to, to shoot what he loved. And we will talk through his workflow at different events, how he managed to work with several remote cameras, how he keeps himself fresh in terms of ideas, and last but not least about the business and marketing side of photography. So have fun and enjoy the interview. Start working. Just, just waiting for Larry to, to connect. Just whoever is in here, just let me know it's it's working. You can hear me well. Mm. Do I need here?
switching home, but it seems to. Hello. Hello. Hey. Oh yeah, cool. It's working now. Can you hear me? All good. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure. Uh, because it. Well, I used we're to have live. issues a few times, so. Right, should be good. Yeah, I just set up my uh, yeah, sure. tripod, so I'm just trying to adjust it. You never know if you're looking, you're in the frame or not. Okay. Cool. Perfect. Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah. So thanks How are you? for doing this. Uh, yeah, no, not that bad. I mean, there's not <laughs> so much to do right now, but yeah. Uh, hopefully it's going to get better. How, how about you? Uh, we've, uh, we've been selling a lot of prints. We're trying to just keep busy, you know, um, okay. just doing something. And, yeah. uh, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun for us. Cool. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, I have a lot of questions prepared, you know that. So, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. It's gonna, uh, it's gonna turn off after an hour automatically. No, so, no worries. But, but normally, I, I usually do like one hour, and then I'm, and I switch it again for like twenty minutes to to answer sure. some questions that people people pose. So we can do it in that way. Just just wanted to be sure. Just when uh, when it goes off, it was not me. But because right. usually yeah. the the hour flies quite quickly. So yeah, we can start again. So I would just if you can introduce yourself in few in few words. Just for, for anyone who might not know you, I'm, I'm not sure right. if there's anyone like that, but just, <laughs> just to be sure. So we've actually shot at the same event before, right? Yeah. I've, Have we? Some, some, one, one WRX, I guess, but I don't know which one. Yeah. Uh, was it like... Was it one or two? I think it might have been two, two or... Kind of, yeah, I, I think know, one, one was, was at... Uh, Barcelona? Maybe? Yeah, one was at Barcelona. One was at... Um, no, no, no. One was at Portugal, I think. Yeah, Portugal, I and one, right, one was at uh, uh, Bikerniki. Is that how you say it? Um, Which one? Uh, in in uh, Latvia. Oh, yeah, Latvia, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, don't yeah, what's, yeah. I don't know what's the name of the. Uh, yeah, I think it's called Everyone's going to laugh at me for the pronunciation, <laughs> but. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. it's uh, uh, you know, to turn it around, I, I like seeing your stuff too. It's it's a very different and and the way you shoot things, it's it's very cool. I like it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so introduction. Um, my name is Larry Chen. I take pictures of cars and racing and pretty much anything on four wheels and sometimes two wheels. It's a lot of fun for me. I'm lucky that I get to travel the world, unfortunately not now, uh, for racing. But uh, in fact, f the last event, I think, worldwide was uh, WRC Mexico, Mexico in uh, Guanajuato. And like the shutdown happened like during that event, you know. Yeah. So I think a lot of the Europeans were very worried that they wouldn't be able to get it back. They're, they wouldn't be able to get back to Europe um, because of the shutdown. Because it's so a lot lies of from US to, to Europe. Yeah, we're, we're close. Yeah. 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 Uh, Are you going to shoot Blake Wilkie? I see the questions already. I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> help but, but read the questions. I've shot him quite a bit um, at the Burnyard too, but it would be really cool to do a dedicated shoot. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you've never answered a question, but just if we can, if you just go go through briefly about how you how you got into photography. I mean, it's it's obvious that uh, uh, I'm getting asked that like in every single yeah. interview as well. But just it yeah. might be interesting at some point. So just just like really quickly, and and also like if you if you ever study photography, it's all self-taught. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've done any workshops or anything, or like. Even how do you like keep yourself like up to date with some some stuff like uh, like cameras and and yeah and that's it. So just how you got into it and why 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 actually cars and motorsports. I I have the list in front of me and oh. it's a very long list. I feel like <laughs> just just going through this list, um, it's gonna take more than an hour for sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, y- you know, photography is just one of those things where uh, it's it's. It's a fun hobby um, and it's nice. One of my, uh, I guess, early you know, photography teachers when I was first starting out in high school, one of the things that he said was, look, you could do it pretty much any condition anywhere in the world. It's a hobby that you could do it underwater. You can do it in space. You can do it from an airplane, a helicopter or whatever, you know, any moment, pretty much, you can do it in some way, shape, or form. And it's something that just kind of really spoke to me. And uh, it was only natural with uh, the love for cars. Mm-hmm. Because, as you probably know, you know, as for you, I'm sure you want so many cars. Um, but, uh, of course, you know, we have a finite amount of resources. Uh, I can't own every car that I like. Uh, so what I do is I get to photograph them and I get to enjoy them in that way. And I get to take a piece of them essentially from that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the big reasons why I love car photography, you know, and that's, you know, without even realizing this, anytime you go to a car show or anytime you go to a meet, what is everyone doing? Everyone's taking out their phones and they're like, Ugh. like, why would they want to take a picture of, that cool car for themselves why because they're essentially taking a piece of that car for themselves you know to own and anytime they want to look at cool cars they can look through their phones they can look through their photos they don't actually have to just go into their garage and like oh these are my cars and that's kind of the benefit of it it's it's really cool and i just do my best to kind of promote that in terms of um education. I never had any formal education. I just, um, you know, had a little bit of introduction to photography and that was taught on film. In the digital uh, era, I kind of just picked it up and it's just one of those things where, you know, right now being self-taught in the digital space, it's, it's not anything special or anything because it's pretty easy but the, the of course the hardest part as you know as a photographer is the business side that we really had to kind of learn ourselves um what was the other question no 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 it's okay i was just about how you, how you got into photography but it's like yeah we can we can, we can get it from here uh so you first yeah. your first photography job before before getting into cars more as well was mm-hmm. actually paparazzi right yeah, so that the um, I actually was shooting cars and motorsports at the same time yeah. as I was shooting paparazzi. In fact, 
I met my buddy who was a paparazzi. I met him at Irwindale Speedway um, during an event. And I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I think he was just kind of telling me, you know, the, this interesting job. And I'm like, hey, I, I need to supplement my income somehow because motorsports at the time for me, I was just not making any money. And I was basically every single penny that I earned, I would uh, fund my motorsport photography, you know, whether it be equipment or travel or hotels or whatever. However, I could get to these races, uh, I would just kind of pay my way. And, you know, after conversations with this guy, he's like, yeah, you know, I know a way you can make money. You can kind of join us as a photographer, but as a paparazzi, the, the advantage for me was that I already knew the technical side. And okay. in fact, most paparazzis did not know the technical side. They, they didn't actually understand photography and they couldn't actually create beautiful pictures of these celebrities. What they were doing essentially was they were actually at least just getting to the right location, yeah. you know, having that access, doing their homework, doing their research, paying off the right people, all of that. But once they get to that point, oh, something happened, something happened with my camera or my settings were wrong or my flash wasn't on or this or whatever. Uh, I, I kind of pride myself as going into that industry as someone who actually knew. And I, and I, the team that I work with, I did a lot to kind of educate them on, on the ins and outs of actual <laughs> photography. And, and yeah. did you take anything from, from that? Like you take anything from being paparazzi to, to motorsport? Is there anything that you've learned from that or and yeah. then you use like um, the, the events yeah news photography in general and just that it, it's it's um it's just so much about playing with the odds and willing the photo to happen and i mean i'm i don't know if i just continued with a motorsport background or car photography background i don't know if i would shoot the same way but at the time during me actually shooting celebrities and paparazzi, and, but which by the way, I've shot pretty much every major celebrity you can think of. I have photos of Michael Jackson. I have photos of Taylor Swift. I have photos of pretty much everyone you can think of. But in that specific era from 2007 to 2009, any new celebrity after that, I don't have any photos of because I quit in 2009. So it's been uh, over 10 years. Um, but with that said, it's one of those things where the, just the will uh, to, to kind of hope uh, a photo will happen and doing everything in your power to make that photo happen in terms of just your experience. Like, okay, there's four entrances to this building. We only have three people on our team. Okay. So which entrance are we going to cover or, Hey, um, this person is going to go through this doorway uh it's probably not going to have enough time to autofocus where what point am i going to have to uh, manual focus on to make sure so and so you know i get a sharp photo a lot of that i i really did it really pushed us because guess what if we yeah. miss the photo 
it's our salary. You know, we, we just didn't make any money. The point is that we had to make pictures somehow. And yeah. um, the only way to do that is kind of will it to happen. And I, it's because that, I guess it's like pretty much the same. Like, because when I started to shoot, it was, or like I, when I got into it, it was my first like big event was Dakar actually, because my brother was uh, yeah. just racing. So, and that's, and I went to Dakar for the first time when I was not really like even taking photos, like, Mm -hmm. uh, for real, I would say, but just for fun. And then, like, but all the events that I did was Dakar or, or any other rally raid where you have normally, mm -hmm. like, one chance per day to, to yeah. get the shot. And that's, like, what I learned and just, like, you know, to just one shot and you need to be perfect. And and then when mm -hmm. I get later on, after a few years, started to, to shoot, like, MotoGP or, or Motocross or whatever or any, any circuit yeah. racing, you have so much so much more opportunities to excuse me get up. <laughs> yeah 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 every single when you're shooting circuit racing unless you're shooting something like the nurburgring you only get one chance every whatever 12 minutes or 11 minutes depending on how fast they're going um and, and then for us with with uh for example the baja 1000 potentially we'll just shoot them one time the whole race yeah. You know, if it's a point-to-point -point race, um, so it's exactly like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm super jealous that you've shot Dakar. How many years have you shot it? Nine times. No. I'm so jealous. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the races for me. That's like a bucket race for me. I, I definitely want to shoot that. Cool. Uh... Yeah. How long did it take you, like, from the point that you started to, like, with the car photography to, to make it to the point that you, you started to make a living out of it? Because I guess, like, a lot of people would not, like, you know, stay, like, for, for, for long enough mm -hmm. and they, they would give up. So just, just to have an idea. Yeah. I think it took about five years, honestly. And five, year, five years of pushing really hard. Five years of doing a full-time job potentially sometimes two full-time jobs just to fund this. And, and I'm sure you, you know how expensive this stuff is, you know, just one following one Dakar race is insane. I can't, I can't imagine how much that stuff costs, but I know how much uh, my travel costs and my just going to an event in Europe or in Japan or in anywhere in Asia or just across the U S it's it adds up it's a lot of money and yeah. if you can't even break even you know i i legitimately had to do two jobs um at the same time i was doing paparazzi and i was doing stuff with computers it and every single bit of money that i had I, it would just go back into hey now this is enough to pay for one ticket to go to japan you know so was it was it from the beginning? Was it was it like a business plan that you you wanted to do to to make a living out of car photography, or was it just like you started fun and then you realized that you can make money out of it and then so you switched to that? Mm -hmm. No, I mean I I always knew that potentially there could be a a way to make a living off of it. It was kind of in the back of my mind, but I just never really that wasn't the important part of it. You know, no. if that was the important part of it, then I would have quit a long time ago, because as you know, this is very, very hard to make money in this industry. It's very competitive, but 
for me, it's, it's just about the, the pictures, the pictures first and being able to travel, being able to see all these events, see all these cars, meet all these friends. It, it's worth so much more to me just to be able to do this stuff. And that was the reward in itself, you know, forget about the actual making money from, from doing this. It, it back then, I almost feel like it was even more pure when I wasn't making money. I was just out there to, to take the photos and I had no rhyme or reason direction to make certain photos. So I was even, I feel like I was even more creative back then because it's That's like, true. Hey, you know what you're going to come out with after spending $3,000 to go across the world or more uh, just to take some pictures, you know, what you're going to come out with is nice pictures and hopefully uh, the praise of your peers and hopefully, you know, you get the attention from some publications, whatnot. No. No. I was, I was pretty much like, I started when I was at university and I did not mm -hmm. take it from the beginning as a, as a job, but more like a chance to travel. And it was, it was good, like part-time job, but yeah, it was never from the beginning. It was never so that I was aiming for like a career in photography and, and I think it was, that's really important that yeah. I did not start it like, like, you know, if, like aiming to, to earn money with it. I mean, yeah. It's just because I love it. Now it, I, 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 I still love it, but obviously because I'm not, at that time it was more like, uh, I was at the university, so I knew I had still like three years to, to finish the school. And then mm -hmm. at that time I thought I was, I was doing to, I was going to do law. Because, and I have the the the, uh, the master degree of law, but I've never used it. Mm -hmm. mm. So, but, and and then after I finished the, the studies, I, I knew already that I can I can make a living out of photography. So, uh, so it was the way. But it was just like yep. all natural. It just goes. Like but your does your law degree help you? It must help yeah, you yeah. so much yeah. in the photography world. So a lot of people ask me, hey, what do I do? Like, do I go to school? Or do I, what do, what do I do, you know, to get into this? Um, two things I tell them, hey, you got to study English and you have to study business. Those two things. Um, it, it's, I can't tell you how much I write and I, I've never been good at writing. I've pretty much failed every single English class that I've taken here um, growing up in Los Angeles. I just can't. It's just not my thing, you know, but guess what? Getting into this, it's forced me to be a good writer. It's yeah. forced me to be able to tell a story. Um, and on top of that, the business side, it's what you just can't learn. You know, it, I don't know how uh, the school or where did you grow up? Where? Where did you grow up? Yeah, Czech Republic. Okay, Czech Republic. So I don't know how the education is there, but in the U.S., um, especially just like in your normal education through high school, they don't teach you enough in terms of real life situations. Like, yeah, no, it's the same in here. I mean, and yeah, and it, but it only, then it helped me a lot with the law school and like studying like financial law, where we actually talk about mm -hmm. like how to set up business and what you need to do like for, like for yeah. taxes and everything. So, mm -hmm. and it was actually the most interesting like thing out of the whole university for me. We had like for right. two, two years financial law and I was, I was really into it yeah. because I knew I'm, I'm going to use, I can use it later on. And it was actually, I was already taking the photo. So it was like real time thing for me. 
Yeah. So that was really good, and it helped me a lot. So, that is, I cannot tell you how important that is, and how you know. Hopefully, you can inspire some other people to do that, because the photography thing, anybody who is into photography can learn so easily. There's so much resource on YouTube. Um, it, it's insane, you know, how good you can be just from checking out stuff on the internet. I never went to university, you know, I just out of high school, I just started working. I just was never really studious in um, school. I would always sleep in class. Uh, I barely passed high school by like just the slightest margin, like, a, you know, D minus. Um, but but it, that doesn't matter, you know, in the real world, it doesn't matter. It's just about the drive and what you like. Whatever they were st uh, teaching me, I didn't like at all. I didn't care. You know, what I care about is, 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 is just making pictures, cars, meeting friends, traveling, you know, like the actual doing part of it. That's, that's what I care about. What is this long question? Somebody said, yeah, you see storytelling come out of autofocus. You tend to lead car culture. Yeah. Yeah. That see, that's, that's Dickie Thompson has a good point. Um, I guess I've just been, I've never ever thought I would ever be in front of camera. I don't care to be in front of camera. Um, but if, if me being in front of camera lets me be behind the camera still, I'm okay with that. You know, that's mm -hmm. cool. So I found that being in front of camera and kind of showing the technique um, and also just being personable, it, it, it helps so much with telling the story and also opening up more opportunities to do more of this. Yeah. And definitely I kind of just know what I like to see and what I like to watch and what I like to read. So I kind of just try to emulate that. Uh, was there any moment that you would consider as like a break for you, for you in photography, in cast photography? I, I, I think right now is a break. No, I mean, it's like, was there anything like any, any photo, any shooting, any contest, anything that was like a, like a breakthrough for you that since that point, I don't know, you started to get like more clients. Oh, oh, oh breakthrough. I see yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Um, it, I think the, the breakthrough point. I have had a couple breakthrough points, um, but I think one of the big, big ones was um, definitely when I joined the Speedhunters crew. Uh, that was pretty big because it kind of just gave me a more global audience right off the bat. And I, a lot of that kind of just came from proving myself, being at the same events as the rest of the Speedhunters paying my way to go there and kind of proving that I'm worthy of, of uh, the photography that, that they kind of showcase at that point. At the time, I think they were pretty much um, the top and, and really uh, trendsetters in the car culture scene, not race photography, but mm -hmm. just the culture scene, you know, where it's, you never really had that kind of budget and money to go to shoot these events, these, these, uh, things that are not very polished, if you know what I mean, it, it's, it's different, of course, with big events like Lamar and, and Indy 500 and, 
and NASCAR, you know, they're, they're, those have always had amazing photographers and amazing photography yeah. and amazing storytellers. But I'm just talking about the whatever shitty car meet down the street. You know, nobody's ever really brought that the heat to that to capture that and kind of uh, put it on the global scale in that uh, in that level. Of course, there was car magazines back then around 2007, 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, how often did those come out? We came out with stories, maybe five stories a, a day. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a big groundbreaking thing. And, you know, there's a couple other things. Uh, the thing that really changed my career was joining Hoonigan. That was like the big one because in terms of global audience, it just can't get any crazier than those guys. It's insane how much reach they have. And also just kind of being able to work with these world-class athletes, like you've worked with Block, right? Yeah. Many times, yeah, all over the world. You've seen his work ethic, it's insane. You know, people think, oh, Block's just having fun all day, every day. No, that guy works harder than me. Right. Like He works harder than all of us. I just cannot believe how hard that guy works. and. It shows, you know, and he, he's a, so particular on every little thing on all of the media that comes out and rightfully so, you know, it's just how he's portrayed in the public eye. Um, it's really cool to see. Yeah. So when you look back on your photos from uh, like when you started your career or, or even like mm -hmm. five years ago, whatever, how many of them were you used today or is that, are you still happy with them or? Would you have done it in a different way nowadays? Or? I think um, it, it's one of those things, it's like a graph, right? <laughs> so like when I started, it was like really, really, really bad. And then it's it now it's gone to the point where it's going like this. So every year uh, I like to do like kind of a set of photos of the year on my website. It's, yeah. you know, you can pretty much see best of 2019, 18, 17, all that. So, so far and so forth. When I look back on those years, I'm like, I was so much better back then. What happened? You know? <laughs> But then I feel like in a couple of more years, I'll, I'll look back at this year and I'll be like, I was so much better back then. What happened? You know? uh, and part of that is because, as you know, um, we are our worst critic. You know, we, we look at our own stuff and we're like, oh, this is crap. What is this? Like, I didn't get one good photo all day. You know, I look at the back of my camera. And I'm so upset at myself, but I guess that's kind of what keeps us pushing. Uh, so what cameras are you currently using? So uh, currently I'm using uh, the 1DX Mark III. Mark III, okay. Uh, I, yeah, and um, it's it's been interesting to use. Of course, it's their newest platform. So I'm still getting used to it. And there's just so many things that I kind of need to put it through in terms of scenario um, for me to just kind of be, it, for it to become second nature. And because uh, I've been shooting with the 1DX Mark II for four years now since it came out. So just to kind of move to a different body, even though it's the same size and even though all the buttons, yeah. everything are the same, the inside is completely different and it's just a completely different system. It's the next generation. and. We just kind of have to get used to a couple things in terms of like the dynamic range that it's capable of, um, the focusing system, and just so many little things. And I, I'm just still getting used to it. It's a lot of fun for me, though. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have any mirrorless or, or just one, one DX mark? We do have uh, mirrorless cameras. We had uh, ESR uh, and I tried using it for action. It's just a little, there's just a little delay too much for yeah. me. But uh, what we've been using it for is video. But now that the R5 is coming out, we're definitely going to move on to that for video. We, I use the Mark III as a mirrorless camera and even the Mark II, even though it was a terrible mirrorless camera. The Mark III mirrorless focusing and everything, the delay, it's, it's unlike anything. And if there's anything that I could shoot with action on the mirrorless side, I would use the 1DX Mark III without a doubt. Okay, there's Any other someone, questions? yeah, no, there's, uh, I'm just trying to get rid of this one. There's like, look, there was someone like posting, like spamming the chat a lot. So I just mm. uh, posted like 20 comments, but like Gre random, greetings so from just... Luxembourg. Hi. <laughs> uh, so not, how many cameras uh, do you normally carry with you? Like, oh, like what, what's, what's the number? Like when you have like all the cameras on all, all the remotes that you use? Whatever. Yeah, it, it's, it depends on the event. And I know it's the same way with you. Um, it depends on the event. So if it's a standard run of the mill shoot where it just requires stills, then I'll just carry three bodies. You know, I'll carry three, three 1DX Mark threes. Um, and then that way I just don't have to switch lenses as often. Uh, no. And I'll just definitely have my wide angle, my, um, normal telephoto and then my super telephoto so it it ranges you know depending on the event but generally speaking i'll start my day off with a 35 millimeter 135 millimeter and 400 and that mm -hmm. could change depending on what i'm shooting and shooting you know whatever um i definitely want to shoot for more film i see a lot of uh people commenting that i have more film cameras actually than i have digital cameras uh, and recently I've been shooting a lot of instant film. I mm -hmm. picked up uh, a mint camera, the RF 70, which is a fully manual instant camera that is a, a medium format. And, oh man, I've been having so much fun with that thing. But unfortunately it's, um, it's, it's, it's like made by this company, a small company in Hong Kong. So it's, it's just not, it's not that it's not made well. It's just one of those things where it's like, probably just the first version. So I'm kind of really getting used to it and trying to push what this platform can, uh, can allow me to shoot. But when you go to, uh, when, when we go to a big event, for example, like Formula Drift, when it's kind of all hands on deck, um, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy how many cameras we have. So when I say we, it's me and my three full-time guys that work for me. Okay. We probably, <laughs> have i don't even know like probably seven remote cameras that we have to mount up depending on the event because a lot of these tracks they just don't have the access you know you physically can't be there because of the fencing or the way it it works i know it's the same way with you when you're shooting rally cross uh do they allow remote cameras at rally cross yeah you need you need to you need to show them where where and how you want to mount it, like just on mm -hmm. Friday or Thursday or whatever. They need to approve it, right. and then yeah, for like certain time or whatever, you need to tell them. I, I want to do it for Q Q one Q two, and then you can yeah you can put it there. 
Yeah. I mean, because I know, especially in rallycross, because we used to follow rallycross in the U.S. when there was still a series here in the U.S. Especially in rallycross, there's just those angles, especially, for example, turn one. Sometimes you just can't get to turn one. You know, there's no angle to get a good shot of every single car stacked together. And I think some of my favorite shots of all time um, were from rallycross, were with remote cameras. And even on the jump, like you can't stand right next to the jump as much as you want to, but potentially there is an angle to kind of mount the camera right next to the jump. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, when, and so what's what's your workflow with the with the remotes, or what what like transmission do you use? Do you use it like on a? Do you still shoot like with the main camera, and or just do you, do you just have the trigger in your hand, or and what and what what actually it, do you use? Yeah, it, it also, same thing, it depends on the situation. So if mm -hmm. we were shooting, um, for example, Formula Drift qualifying, I still have to shoot with my handheld cameras. So with that said, I'll have somebody dedicated to make sure they could trigger the cameras exactly on time. Mm -hmm. And what we do is since we have so many cameras, we can't trigger, we can't put them on the one same channel. Uh, yeah. If we put them on the same channel, the first camera, by the time the first camera fires and the last camera is still firing, the last camera is going to run out of buffer by the time the car yeah. gets yeah. to the camera, you know, or memory or whatever. So what we do is we set up zones for certain mm -hmm. channels. So the most we've done is three zones where it's like, hey, car's entering zone one. Hey, fire that trigger, boom, boom, and you hit it. And then, you know, it shoots it through that corner then maybe, hey, he's getting to the second corner, you know, you either switch the channel or then you hit another uh, remote. And then that way we can pretty much get five or six usable shots per run mm -hmm. from just one run, which is, which is so good because traditionally, if I'm just shooting very risky with my handheld camera, who knows, I might not even get anything at all for one run, you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it's different. And there are those events, for example, like when I'm shooting Rallycross, when I don't have assistance, when I just have to trigger myself, I either just do it um, separately from me holding the camera, or I just put it on my hot shoe. I find that putting it on the hot shoe is not as reliable as actually yeah. just pushing, pushing it. Yeah, it is not. But you can always just, you, you, you can get used to it quite like, quite quickly you just you hold it uh, like next to the camera and you can push it both at the same yeah. time so, yeah yeah uh so when you do like some of those you know like what you call like drive along shots uh that you mount the camera on the car i guess mostly mm -hmm. i mean you, you can mm -hmm. probably shoot it from the car as well but those ones that even even those that are used in the post like from behind the car drifting uh so it's like looks like taken from a from a bumper from like Right. The other car that you follow. Yeah. Uh, what equipment do you use? Do you use for that, or did you need to adjust it somehow, or is it is it something that you adjust like through through throughout the time, or is it something that you just bought and use? Yeah, with those we actually just kind of predict what the settings need to be and what framing needs to be, because there's no way, especially if these guys are battling it out, how would you yeah. be able to tell? There's no way to know what the framing is going to be, you know? So it's a lot of luck and that's kind of where um, just the experience comes in. You know, you just know um, 
Larry has Corona. Ha ha ha. Very funny. <laughs> um, it, it's just one of those things where, where you just know, uh, when I look down the line, when I look at every single pair of cars, I know which ones are going to battle. Well, you know, you just know when someone's going to be close. Um, it's the same way with whatever racing I'm sure you're following with Riley Crest. You know who's going to do well, or you know who's going to get sideways to a corner, or you know who's going to drive, like, no, sure. just just grip it, you know? Everybody just has a certain style. And uh, so that way, we know what cars to put the, car, put the camera on. We know what surface potentially would, would be good for it, or... Um, lead or chase. There's just so many things that I just kind of make split second decisions, even to the point when the cars are there ready to go, lights about to go out. I'm like, Oh, this is wrong. I just take the camera off. I'm like, I don't even want to risk it. Even to the point where sometimes I think, Hey, there's going to be a crash. I can't put a camera <laughs> on this car. And it happens. You know, I just, I have, I just have this sixth sense for drift cars. You know, I just, no, I don't know. Um, with that said, it, it's, it is so much about just kind of predicting what the shot's going to look like and hopefully your settings are right. Hopefully your framing's right. All of that. Cool. Uh, so how many photos do you normally shoot like during the, during the day at the event? I guess it's, it's also like different, like, yeah, event, also different, but, or, and, um, and it's different, like if it's advertising or whatever, but if you, if you yeah. go to motorsport and maybe most importantly, it's like. What percentage of the photos uh, do you use at the end? Like, what? How many photos from what what you take to the event to make it to, to the final cut? Yeah, this is this is uh, one of those things where it's uh, yeah, it varies a lot. But I kind of have some numbers just kind of spit off the top of my head. Um, the largest events that we cover, for example, Pike's Peak, we are the official photography team for Pike's Peak. So it's me and three other guys, right? So it's four of us. From the nine days of shooting, that is Pikes Peak International Hill Climb, we'll end up with probably 80,000 photos, which if you can imagine, you know, it's just so much shooting every single day. Um, with an event like Formula Drift, it can range from 25 to 35,000, and we've even hit 40,000 before. From a, a Formula Drift race, we typically deliver about 1200 photos mm -hmm. give or take depending on the size of the client list and depending on uh just the event you know the the f season opener and season finisher usually is the the high end and we, we deliver more mm -hmm. but uh on just middle of the range who knows we could deliver up to about a thousand photos, which is still a lot. Um, part of it is because of how much people are consuming now. Yeah. You know, every driver, every team, every sponsor, every the smallest thing, oil company, tire company, wheel company, every single one of those people, they're consuming so much and posting so much. And that stuff just goes stale so quick because if you're one day late or even a couple hours late on a certain uh, photo or subject, it just doesn't do as well. Yeah. So, so, so that's next, next, next question. When it comes to post process, uh, mm -hmm. so what's the workflow over there? Or like how, how much time would you, would you normally spend on photo or like 
Is it so you said it was four of you, or is it like do you split mm -hmm. it somehow that someone is do, like doing yeah. afterwards a post pro? Usually, for example, for formal draft event, again, I keep saying this, but every yeah. single event is different. Uh, oh. Sometimes it's just me. For example, if we do a car feature, if I'm just featuring um, some special car, potentially it could be me all the way through. You know, me oh. shooting the pictures, me. Uh, you know, calling and editing and also publishing all of that. But if it's a larger event with uh, quicker deadlines and more numbers overall, then that's when it's kind of like the supply chain. You know, it could be, if it's four of us, it could be me and another shooter. Um, and then the other guy's just doing video. And then one person's just on the computer ingesting cards, um, editing. And, or it could be us trading off. And sometimes at the end of the day, after they go through the photos uh, and they're ready to deliver, I just kind of spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm like, hey, cheers, let me see them. Let me go through them. And I'll tell them exactly what I mm -hmm. think needs to be changed or what needs to be taken out or what needs to be added. Uh, because I find that no matter how much I work with other people, for example, um, my uh, partner, Lewis, who I've worked with the longest, he, even though he works with me every day and I spend more time with him than anyone else, uh, more time than my family, unfortunately, there's just no way for him to know exactly what I'm thinking and exactly what I want. I can at least kind of give some direction of what I need. Cool. Uh, is there anything in your workload that has changed? since the beginning. I mean, I guess it's, it's more of you, but anything particular you can think about that you, you were maybe doing wrong and that you, it's like anything that has come with more experience that you do in a different way mm -hmm. now? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing is video workflow because mm -hmm. now anytime we pick up a still camera, we pretty much have to video it. And that's been pretty tough, especially dealing with like the audio side that's kind of one of the growing pains that we've had on Hoonigan Autofocus um, because we're different than the rest of the Hoonigans. We travel the world, you know, anywhere we go, we find cool cars, find cool culture. They're more restricted in that they have to film um, in either their own space or mm -hmm. in certain spaces that just kind of allow for the shows that they do. It's just different. It's a different format. You know, but since we pride ourselves on being able to travel and shooting pretty much anywhere, we still have to have perfect everything. We have to have perfect audio. We have to have perfect video, um, stills, all of that. Uh, and we have to deliver it in that kind of sim similar package. So it's been really tough for us to kind of get that. And I think over the past year, we've really developed a pretty good workflow to get pretty close to what we want it to look like. Mm -hmm. Do you think that sports photography is more, is more about the talent or about experience? I think it's uh, a little bit of both. You just can't have one without the other. Um, there's plenty of people that I follow that are just extremely talented that I can only wish that I could have a, just a percentage of their talent. Um, but unfortunately, who knows, you know, they just may not have the opportunity or they not, may not have the business sense 
or maybe they just don't want to, you know, like the, this kind of job is not for everybody. As you know, how many hours you put in um, being away from home and, and uh, just not having sick days even. I'm sure, have you shot events when you're sick? Of course, right? Of course. Yeah. 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 Sure. There's no such thing as yeah. a sick day. You miss out on a, a one whole round of a race series, but don't even bother coming back the next yeah. event, you know? You know, you're leaving, you're, 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 you're letting these guys down, really, essentially, if, if you can't perform, no matter what. I, it's like, people don't care. So in a way, it's kind of crazy when, uh, oh, wait, somebody said with audio, I don't think it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're going through solar shops, it feels like more behind the scenes. Yeah, so um, the audio is something that we work on every single day, day in and day out. You guys have no idea. We put so much effort into audio. Um, if you notice in the past, maybe, I don't know, three months of videos or four months, especially after uh, our Japan series that we did uh, for Tokyo Auto Salon, every single video is 4K and also every single video we're running uh, labs and individual channels for audio. So yeah, that's, that's besides from that. But anyways, I, I forgot what was the question you're asking? <laughs> no, it was about the talent and, and experience. So oh yeah. Yeah. About. Talent and experience. Uh, I sorry. I'm sorry. I get distracted too easily, yeah, but yeah. without a doubt, it, it is so much about both. You know, you just yeah. have to have both. Um, and part of it, it's just being fun to be around being, being able to make friends with a lot of people. Um, it's pretty boring if you're just out there yourself, you know? So it, it is, uh, it's always a good time. It's, it's almost like a reunion, you know, anytime we're at these races because it's cool to kind of see everyone again. So yeah, talent and experience and also just being easy to work with. Sure. So you've done a lot of, like for example, the uh, Formula 50 events over those like, mm -hmm. years. So, how do you keep yourself like fresh in like in ideas, uh, not not shooting the same all, all over again? It's like it's too easy to kind of get into that um, mentality. I I I see it all the time. Oh. Photographers who are like, "Oh my God, this event again!" Like. I hate this track so much, or I hate shooting this. <laughs> um, that's that's kind of when it's probably time to quit, honestly, for, for people. I feel like it's like, maybe you should do something else. Uh, anytime I pick up a camera, anytime there's a car doing a burnout or drifting in front of me, I'm having a good time. And even during the worst times, I'm still having a good time. When... when um, the, the nice thing is for us with racing, typically every year, the cards change, the liveries change. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's new drivers, there's new teams. There's always something new. And, you know, with all this uh, virus stuff, it's going to be new tracks. It's going to be, who knows, different teams. Um, that it, it's, it's, it's always easy to figure out a way to cover something differently. How many events does the series have, like in the year? 
Um, typically, we do about 40 to 45 events. Uh, this year, we were pretty up there before everything shut down. Mm -hmm. We pushed very hard this winter, and that's kind of one of the things that was really nice for us that kind of set us up for at least to, to recover from this. We started off so strong right after New Year's. You know, we went to Japan and we shot 16 episodes of uh, Hooning and Autofocus. And since then, we pushed so hard because I kind of had a feeling that we were going to be very busy on the racing side. So we wouldn't have as much time to focus on what we like to do, which is uh, shoot cars like for Hooning and Autofocus. We don't make money from that stuff. You know, I, I don't know if you guys can tell or not, but if we shoot a lowered Civic or if we shoot, um, uh, for, I don't know, for example, one of the recent cars that we featured, like Daniel was S800, we don't make money from that. In fact, we lose money from shooting these kind of cars, but it's a lot more fun for us and that's what we love to do. And that actually gets us more work on the commercial side because, hey, we kind of, we, we get other people's attention from doing those things, you know? And we love doing those things and we make new friends doing those things. It, it's so, such an honor to work with people like Daniel Wu or any builder for that matter. Mm -hmm. So what, what's your favorite event to cover? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I definitely get asked that question a lot. I, it's, it's kind of tough to say, you know, but I, I, I love, um, I, I love shooting on set with Ken. Um, mm -hmm. I love shooting Gymkhana or anything similar to Gymkhana. So I love shooting, um, like the recoil series with BJ Baldwin also, because just kind of having that access or looking at a, a certain place in a different way is, is it's so refreshing. It's so nice that we can shut down these streets and we can, yeah. you know, have tire smoke, burnouts, drifting. We can have something that just doesn't belong in, in a certain place, you know? So that's always fun for me being able to travel the world for that is, mm -hmm. is such a plus. Okay. So you've mentioned it's like you have three, three full-time like guys working for you. Mm -hmm. So, but, but is it, is it so that like you go, you go for the events together or is it like that you split over the time and so you shoot like multiple events at the same weekend? So it, how, how yeah, is that, like, again, that, that's uh depends on the event, right? So, mm -hmm. Sometimes when there's two events going on at the same time, then we have to split. Um, but if it's a really major event or major thing, one of the recent things that we've been doing is we've been doing a lot of classes for Canon. And I've been teaching as much as I can just because it's kind of my way to give back. Um, when Anytime we do that, we produce everything. We do everything. We do the catering. We do the teaching. We do anything you can imagine um, to put these events together. We source the cars, we source this, we source that. We kind of figure out the curriculum for the, for the students. So when we're doing something like that, it's always all hands on deck. We have to make sure we get the correct uh, behind the scenes for, for later for, to publish on Hooning and Autofocus. We have to make sure we get enough materials for promotion for next time. 
Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, definitely a, a big operation for us, even though we're really small in the grand scheme of things. So is there, is there any event you haven't been to any you want to you want to go to and, and cover that? Yeah. Oh yeah, Dakar. Without a doubt. <laughs> that's one that I definitely need to do. Um there, yeah, there's a couple of big ones. I think that's probably one of the highest. Um maybe who knows, one year I'll be able to follow Casey Curry. Um I know he's he's um kind of really into it, especially since he won last year. I, I don't know. Um, Bathurst, definitely want to shoot that. Uh, there's I've shot every 24-hour race in the world already, so now I'm kind of working my way down to like the long, other endurance races. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's just kind of fun for me to do these bucket list um, events. Have you shot F1? That's one of the things I have not shot. Okay. Um, eventually I'll get to that, but it's going to sound really bad, but it's just one of those things we've just been too busy over the past couple of years for me to even take a break to go to shoot F1. I love F1. I think it's so interesting and it's so visually appealing, all of that. But the problem is we're just too busy on the action sports side, um, you know, car culture side and just shooting other things. We've shot so many things, but um, yeah, F1 is just one of the things I have not shot. Yeah, I, I only shot it like two, two times last year. It was for the first time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was the same with me. I never had time, but just like last year, I was like, okay, I, I just need to do it. Like, and I, yeah. I send, send, send the other guys to shoot something else. And I, yeah. and I went, to, went to Monaco, which was my first ever event to do. And especially Monaco Ooh. is like, yeah, like a different thing. That's, so, that's so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, it was like three weeks, three weeks in a row because of, uh, yeah, it was F1 Monaco. Then from there, I went to Isle of Man GT. And Ooh. from there, and yeah, from that's there a good I, went one. To, I went to Le Mans 24, which is also for the first time. So wow. it was like really awesome three weeks. And it should have been the same yeah. this year, but... Fortunately, yeah, not really. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. Like, I, I'm trying, and that's what I'm trying to do right now. Just try to do like a little bit more, like different things. Still, like mm -hmm. in motorsports, obviously, but just trying to trying to get to some some motorsports that I've not been to, uh, mm -hmm. and just trying to, as, as you said before, I still need to be at like all the other events that I've. Uh, that I've done before and that's, like follow every single every, every single event of the whole, of the series. Yeah, that, that, that that's the problem. Uh, that's the tough part. Yeah. yeah. But I'm slowly trying to or like develop it so that I don't need to go to every single one and mm -hmm. try to expand a bit. And, and the other guys that work for me that they can go there by, by themselves. I mean, it's because it's not especially like the rally rates uh not not only dakar because it's like five of us shooting but but mm -hmm. any other what we have like in abu dhabi qatar whatever anything like in desert it's not only about the photos but the main thing is the logistics and the experience to to know where exactly. to go and that's that's the thing that like 
I would not mind to, to send anyone anywhere, but yeah. if they've never been there, it's, it's just impossible to, to do it. So, so. I, I think people don't realize even the simplest thing, you know, yeah. especially when you're traveling to other countries, just getting your rental car, yeah. you know, just have so many issues, or just issues like in Middle East, or, uh, like if you getting lost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it could be anything. That's the crazy thing. Like, you, you just don't know, you know, and, and um, we, uh, for example, when we were just in Mexico for WRC, we're in a foreign country, you know, and, and I the guys I was with, um, the guy, we made like a illegal U-turn and guess what happened? They took our car, you know, <laughs> how are you supposed to know what to do um, in, in these situations? It, yeah. And that's, Aside from just the photography thing, you know, just getting there, getting fed, yeah, yeah. staying healthy, all of that is the tough part. Like, I, I just can't stress that part enough, you know, and a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. Just giving your rental car back, just work, you know, just work. <laughs> <laughs> the legend. Oh, Jeff, you could see your magazine is right there. See that? That's his <laughs> magazine cover. 30 years ago, he was on the cover of... of of American Photographer Magazine, um, it's the legend. It's, it's funny, yeah, just your, giving your rental car back is a problem. Um, just everything, the littlest things. Sure. I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's, it's, it's just one of those things, you, you just learn from experience. Even yeah. getting your equipment onto the plane is hard yeah, sometimes, yeah, no, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like just, you haven't even left for the event and you're, you're just trying to get your stuff on the plane. They're like, nope, nope, not happening. Sorry, you're out. What was the most difficult shoot that you've, uh, you've ever done? Um, there's been so many difficult shoots and I think a lot of it just comes down to um, just a physical limitation. Um, whether it be I'm sick or somehow I hurt myself, tripped and or <laughs> broke my cameras or it, it, there's just, I, I think a lot of it is that, you know, just getting what we were discussing before it shut down, getting to the event. Um, I, I mean, I can't think of anyone, anything in particular, but uh, so much of what we do, especially with action photography and off-road photography, it's very physically demanding, you know, especially when you're shooting in the dunes or if you're shooting in the desert, it's tough. I mean, it could be like whatever, how many degrees outside, it's so hot and you're just dying and you all you can do is just, hey, hope the car comes and then you can kind of, you know, get your shots and then get out of there. But it's, uh, it's not like shooting in a studio for sure, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, and is it, is it, it's quite high, high altitude of Pikes Peak, right? Is it, is it yeah. Making... Oh, so yeah. Pikes Peak is the altitude is so high. It's 40% less, less oxygen um, up yeah. at the top of the summit. My body doesn't allow me to sleep with that less oxygen. Uh, so I know people that can sleep with that less oxygen, but when I'm up there, especially when I'm waiting for the race to start, I can't sleep because if I, as soon as I fall asleep, I start like choking in a way. Cause like 
I think my body, when I'm actually asleep, it, it doesn't allow me to take in enough volume of air when it's that thin. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I start like, like having like this, this crazy gagging going on. So, so it's really, really tough. And it's so easy to black out. It's so easy to just kind of have these health problems every year. Some, something happens to some spectator or some, somebody, um, just to give you a good example, the racers, you know, some of the racers, they have issues. They forget what corner they're in, you know, because it's just so taxing on your everything. And I, it's like this, uh, I could feel it when we were in Bolivia with Taka because it was all yeah. like four, four thousand meters and above. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but like several times, I just forgot about it. Like while you shooting, I like started to run and like chasing the cars, and then and then realized that I can't breathe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. Hey, I just going to the bathroom, man. Just just bending over to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I'm like. I like I have to like catch up on on my breath. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, so let's move to a few more. So, what does your business consist of, like in terms of photography or videography, or and like, what 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 do you do? So, like like apart from the events, like advertising uh, and and the courses that you you teach or anything. So, uh, I think the one of the biggest things that's kind of. Um, been a big part of our income is working for the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing so much work for Toyota, for Ford. uh, And uh, it's just one of those things where we're lucky to be able to do stuff with these OE manufacturers. And of course, aftermarket manufacturers um, and and tire manufacturers like Yokohama Tire, KW Suspension. Um, we, we, We do as much as we can, we do a lot of the truck stuff for Toyota. So if you go to toyota.com right now, pretty much all of the uh, truck photography is ours, including um, the new, new uh, trail edition uh, trucks, um, Mm -hmm. all of the, the, you know, forerunner, the Tacoma and the Tundra. I know that those don't um, sell in, in Europe or at least, or the, does the Tacoma? Or you guys have the highlights, right? Yeah. In Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyways, it's it's uh, trucks that uh, we have in the U.S. We're lucky in that we get to do that kind of stuff. And we do um, some stuff on the um, just other models too. But mm-hmm. my audience doesn't really care, you know? So we don't really talk about that portion of what we do for work. But I'm so prideful of that. I'm so happy that we get to work with these manufacturers. And Ford's been such a good partner, too. We, we built uh, a Mustang um, with Ford Performance and Roush uh, last year for the SEMA show. And uh, that was so much fun. And it's just, I don't know, it's cool to kind of stay relevant in that way, you know, or it's it's cool to be able to work with these manufacturers in a different way, building cars. Uh, for example, like, uh, also we, we built a Toyota Corolla, that camera car two years ago for Mm -hmm. SEMA. And we've been kind of keeping that going a little bit. Now I'm building a Supra, which, uh, is going to be pretty cool. 
uh, just taking it slow because everyone's like, oh, why haven't you done wide body? Why haven't you done all this stuff to it already? I'm like, look, the car <laughs> is so nice right now. It's not broken, unlike every single one of my other cars. You know, I can tell you what's broken and what needs to be fixed on every single car. Uh, this thing is like nice that it's stock and it's fun. And I actually just took it for a track day for the first time. And it was super nice to be able to drive it to the track and then drive it home and not have any problems. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you do to, to promote yourself? And is it like you said you have people full time for shooting, but do you have also someone who's like doing, doing, I don't know, some social media stuff or anything for you or like most probably like the behind the scenes? Or how, how did it even happen that, was there any breakthrough in that, like having such a, such a like big audience in social media? Did it come with the hooligans or like how did that happen? Um, you know, a lot of people do ask that too. I'm the only one who handles my social media. I'm the only one who posts. Um, I started off the whole Instagram thing. It, it, it was kind of like an experiment for me. I wanted to see how many followers I could get on Instagram just posting cell phone pictures. So up to 100,000 followers, I was just posting um, cell phone pictures. But once I hit 100,000, it was free-for-all. I just started posting everything. And, I, I, yeah, I just kind of wanted to maybe prove a little bit that, hey, it's not about the camera. Um, so I just used, like, crappy Samsung phones for, for however many years, you know, until I got to that point. Uh, the Hoonigans definitely helped. Um, but a lot of it, I think, for me is just consistency. I try to post as much as I can. I try to kind of let people know what I'm doing just because uh, if you have these long gaps, maybe people will kind of look at your account and they're like, hey, this guy hasn't been posting that much. Um, maybe I won't follow him because he's not coming out with any new content. So I definitely try to be as consistent as possible for the past whatever since this coronavirus stuff started i i really been trying to push myself to post six times a day and that's really really hard <laughs> as you can imagine um even though we you and i probably have you know so much um content to to repost or stuff that's never even seen the light of yeah, day yeah. and we can post we could probably post for years six times a day yeah. but we'll never run out but just doing it and just the time and the effort and the curating and the finding all of that that's the hard part yeah yeah uh so did you do you think you get to to the point that uh like you you get some clients that would approach you more because of like an like like an influencer that you want you to do some job and then post it rather than just just having the photos so is it something that you did you come also like in the quotes that you would give, you would give to the client that they got to the point that you you could pay for your own shots to to put on Instagram, for example? Yeah, I I think um, part of that is it's it's always been a given in, in that we're so prideful of everything that we do. You know, I I turn down jobs all the time. Mm -hmm. I turn down jobs that I don't actually believe in and the products um, and things that I don't believe in all the time, nonstop, because we just don't want to do things that 
we don't believe in, you know, especially um, there's quite a few brands that are um, replica brands, you know, people who make wheels, people who make parts uh, that are not real and they're copying the actual brands. We just, we don't associate with them at all. You know, even if they offer us a lot of money, we just can't, we just, it's just not fair to the rest of the industry. And we have so much, we, we've, we've built up so much in terms of reputation of being able to work with these amazing manufacturers like Toyota, Ford, Canon, um, you know, the list goes on. We just cannot afford to kind of shoot ourselves in the foot like that, you know? So pretty much any time we work with a brand, we do our best to promote it because mm-hmm. we believe in the work that we're doing, really. Cool. So, so do you actually even need to, like right now, do you need to approach any, any clients or, or not really? Or is it, is it all come, come, come to you by itself? Or, and was well, it was it different from the, like, what what did you do in the in the beginning? Uh, we right now we still do our best to kind of not so much approach our clients, but maybe refresh people's memories mm-hmm. and kind of stay in contact. Especially right now, you know, we we just especially if we the, the nice thing is we're in a position where we can think of cool things to do. We can think of cool projects and we can pitch it to people that we know because um, while we want to do cool things, I know that especially the clients that we work with, they really want to do cool things. And part of it is just the idea uh, of what to do, you know? And so if we come out with these ideas and if we pitch them, potentially they're, they're uh, could be very receptive to that because we worked with them before. Mm-hmm. With new clients, uh, it's we always, always, always have to prove ourselves over and over again, um, mm-hmm. especially if it's a new um, manufacturer or if it's a new OEM brand or aftermarket um, product company. Yeah, they may see all the stuff that we do for everyone else, but it doesn't mean anything unless we've done work for them, yeah. you know, unless we've showed their product their car, their tire, their certain thing in the best light possible. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the best advice that you've ever got like from anyone, is there anything like that? Or maybe anything that you can give to other photographers from like what you've learned from your experience? Mm, yeah, there's a couple things, you know, there's things that I always say, uh, the most important thing is shoot what you love. If you don't love it, then don't shoot it, you know? So if you don't actually like being a wedding photographer, then maybe you should shoot something else, you know? <laughs> That's one of the things that we were saying earlier. If you're upset that I, the, this is the same race and it's so monotonous and it's, it's just so uh, the same thing and I, you're just not happy that you're there, I would quit, I would do something else. Um, so shoot what you love, follow what you love. Uh, and number two is be very, very good at backing up. Right now, when we're shooting, we're always shooting to two cards. So at least we have a backup right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, also it's nice to have a good backup for your archival purposes, because if you work 
for 10, 20, 30 years, you want to be able to look back on your work. And where I'm, I'm lucky in that within three seconds, I can pull up any photo from my entire career just because uh, I, I've been so invested in making sure we have good backups, we have good servers that we can access our work because part of the appeal of autofocus and part of the appeal of following us is that we've seen so much and we've had so much experience throughout the car culture world that we can always kind of um, dig up this archival footage and archival photos that I've experienced personally. Mm -hmm. Cool. So like, just I have like two last questions and then we answer some, yeah. some of these. So what, what is the best thing that photography has, has given you? And on the other hand, like, is there anything that it has taken from you? Hmm. Yep. Um, both good questions. Both. I have that. I have the answer right away for, I think, uh, the thing that photography has given me the most is um, just a life in general, a life worth living. A life worth living, I've had, I've had a chance to travel 50 countries on someone else's dime. I've had a chance to make friends all over the world, new friends every single day, including yourself. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's just, there's no other way to put it. You know, I, I love doing this and I, don't think I'm going to stop for a long time. The thing that it's taken away from me without a doubt is, um, unfortunately I've sacrificed so much in terms of family. Um, my wife is very understanding and my kids, you know, I don't get to see my kids that much. I have two wonderful kids, my friends here, uh, that I grew up with. I never get to see them. The only way they know what I'm doing is they follow me on, on Instagram. They follow my social media um, and my health. Without a doubt, I sacrifice my health so much for uh, photography, you know, sacrificing sleep, sacrificing exercise, <laughs> just everything. You, you know yeah, more than anyone else. When we're on the road, guess what we're eating? Yeah. Just absolute shit. Every meal is, we just don't have a choice, you know? Yeah, and it's probably how many at mid meals have, midnight or whatever, because you, you don't Yeah, how many, how many meals have it, has it just been, uh, um, you know, French fries or potato, yeah. you know, where, what do you call them over there, chips? Yeah, French fries. Yeah, chips, how many yeah. meals is just, just chips? Yeah. Not, no fish, just the chips, you know? <laughs> um, it's so bad, it's so unhealthy but we have no choice, you know, we just, yeah. you just can't get around it, you know? And on top of that, the, the no sleep at all, going from one event to the other, I couldn't imagine what it was like to go from Monaco to uh, Isle of Man Titi to Le Mans. Le Mans is like the no sleep vacuum. Yeah, and I was if there you, for the whole whole week. Oh, I, I came like on Tuesday to do like all the all the practice and everything, and then and I did. I, I slept for half an hour during the race. Yeah, because I thought there was so much to shoot. I, I was lucky. I had, I had the excess, uh, like for the whole time. I guess like when you were there, you were getting only only those. Yeah, I only had, I only had two sessions. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I made the most of it and I'm lucky that I could be there at all. And that's exactly one of the things, one of the challenges I may 
have some say here in the US um, with race series and things that I cover. But as soon as I go across to Europe, I'm nobody. You know, nobody cares. And I have to play along like everyone else. You know, a lot of people in the US love to complain about me and they love to say, oh, why does Larry get all this access? I'm like, look, you don't understand. When I shoot any other race series and when I'm shooting other things, I'm just a normal photographer. And in fact, everyone else has more access than I do, you know, but guess what? I'm going to make the best of it. I'm not going to complain. I absolutely love being at Lamar. I love shooting it. And I think it's so cool that I got to experience it, um, especially before they got rid of the LMP1 cars, you know? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I'm just going to, we can try to have a few questions. Mm -hmm. to go for it. That was anything. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Any questions on the feed? Do you, yeah. do you ever was in dangerous situation on some race when you think, fuck, this is the end? Oh, all the time. All the time. It's really, really bad. Like, Unfortunately, I, I know we both have put ourselves in this situation where we're like, this is fucking scary. <laughs> like, oh my God, you know. Um, I, I'm so lucky in that nothing bad has happened, knock on wood. Um, I've gotten hit by a car before. I actually got hit by Ryan Turk one time when for some reason, for no reason, he just backed up <laughs> out of nowhere. I'm like, Walking, I'm like right next to his car, and he just goes, boom, and it knocks me over. Um, that's the only time I've gotten hit, but that was a complete accident, and there was no reason why he should have been backing up. Um, so with that said, from now on, anytime I'm shooting racing, anytime I'm shooting drag racing, anytime I'm shooting at the starting line, I always make sure to not be in the back of the car because guess what? If they're <laughs> launching, if they're starting – they could be in reverse. They don't even know, you know? Who knows? Some of these racing drivers are crazy. Wow, there are so yeah. many questions now. No. Uh, yeah. Would so you ever good. shoot supercross or motocross? I love shooting motorcycles. Um, I absolutely loved shooting motorcycles for Pikes Peak. I worked for Ducati this last one. And unfortunately, as you guys probably know, Carlin Dunn yeah. um, passed away. And he was the guy we were following. Like, we were there for him, and unfortunately, he passed away. I'm really, really sad about that. He was um, really amazing, and the whole reason why we were working for Ducati was because of him. And uh, he reached out to us personally to follow him for Ducati. And my assistant actually got the last photo of him, unfortunately, ever. And uh, it's really sad. I love motorcycle racing. I just don't know enough about it because I don't ride myself. I know myself too well. I just don't have very good self-control. So I feel like as soon as I get on a motorcycle, I'll probably just flip over right away. <laughs> okay, top, top things yeah. to look out for when mixing artificial light with the ambient light? Top. That's the question. Top, top thing. Chip? Um, top things to look out for when mixing artificial and ambient light? Yeah, I think one of the tough things that a lot of people don't realize with mixing light is the color temperature of the light. So you have to be very careful about that. And on, on top of that, um, it's just, I try my best if I am mixing the light 
to make it look as realistic as possible. If it looks like there's two suns and it's it's very evident that it looks like there's two suns, then there's something wrong. I, I think it needs to look natural, but there needs to be the uh, like it potentially could have looked like that from you know when you're actually there. Will, will Let's see. Post, look at the other questions. I'm just, I just yeah, want go to ahead. answer this one. Will you, will you post this slide in your story afterwards? Yeah, I will, and I will also post it as a as a podcast. But I'm going to do this one right afterwards. I just I just uploaded all the other ones that I've that I've done before, and right after we we're finishing here, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say then maybe like in an hour it's going to be on Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere, and then I just post a link in here as well. Okay, mm -hmm. what? Do you prefer sunrise lighting or sunset lighting? Mm, both um, are cool to shoot. I sunrise for me. Well, it's so it depends on what part of the world you're in, right? Yeah. So it's crazy in Los Angeles, the sunsets have more color just because throughout the day, all the smog and all the atmosphere and all of the whatever, it actually filters the light down more. So it's softer and it's uh, different, more different colors versus sunrise is a lot cleaner light. Um, but also we don't get as crazy of a blue hour before sunrise. No. But like I said, it just depends on what part of the world you're in. Um, for example, when we shoot Pike's Peak, it's always sunrise because A, that's the time that it allows us to go up there. And also B, that's the way the track is, is uh, facing. Yep. You know, it allows us to shoot sunrise. Sunset, everything is in the shadow. So there's no point in shooting sunset. How do you pan do well you pan with slow so shutter? Well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So I don't know what you do, but I keep my other eye open a lot of times you know is do you yeah. do that too yeah, yeah so like always. if you have a problem <laughs> with the target acquisition if you have a problem with following the car keep your other eye open and then then that way you can kind of gauge how fast the car is going versus how fast you're actually moving your lens does the mark 3 have built-in wi-fi finally yes it does it has 2.4 gigahertz built in, but if you want higher speed, 5.4 gigahertz, you have to get an external. Um, but the, the, the built in is pretty good. Do you use it a lot? Like, what do, you, do, you, do you use it a lot? That you've, I you've don't. Like, right? I, I don't. Uh, shout out to Bells and Bond, my friends there, Rafi and Shant. They asked me, uh, what is your favorite types of cars to photograph? My favorite types of cars to photograph are without a doubt are the uh, most obtainable cars, um, that cars that people can relate to. And especially the ones that potentially may not have that much money in them, but have a lot of texture and a lot of uh, thought. I, I think those are my favorite cars because guess what? People can relate to it more and they can, they look at it and they're like, hey, first of all, it inspires them to potentially build something themselves. And second of all, Potentially, it could be something where they're like, hey, I can afford this. No, exactly. Did you guys met? Yes, we've met before, <laughs> but briefly in passing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay.
was the time. But like I would say, like five more minutes, and then we can. Uh, so what, any what tips for shooting? Yeah. Uh, I got one. Any tips for shooting King of the Hammers first time? Yes, there's three places you could shoot King of the Hammers very easily um, with pretty much any car that has four wheel drive. You know, you have your three locations, which is uh, uh, Chocolate Thunder, which is the most popular uh, location, um, Backdoor, which is a, a waterfall, uh, a dried up waterfall, and that's really cool to shoot. And also, um, third location jackhammer those three locations you can actually get to very easily uh and it's very clear on the map how to get to them cool what else i need to i need to i need to come for that as well i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i think you would I'm like that, take you for that and then I, yeah. and i'm gonna come for the king of hammer and then what what else spike speak and baja one time yeah these are free that want to do that <laughs> you're more than welcome so if you'll have me for a Dakar, if you'll show me the ropes, you could do whatever you, we'll go anywhere. I don't <laughs> care. You know, you, you want to shoot King of the Hammers? You're, you're, you'll sit shotgun with me anytime we're following these cars. Um, we've been following that race for almost 10 years now. And it's been such a pleasure to kind of know that area. That area is actually not that far from me. It's only two hours from my house. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, pretty crazy there's nothing there usually throughout the whole year yeah yep yeah AIA photography it says can I come yeah you can go to any of these events all of these events are open to the public you know that's kind of one of the things that we really promote you go and make your own pictures you know part of it part of the thing that I really like about the hammers I don't know how it is with Dakar but a lot of the spectators bring very cool cars. Is that how it is with Dakar? Uh, there were not really, <laughs> there were not too many spectators this year in Saudi Arabia. So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but like there was, there was before, I mean, in South America, in South America, there were quite yeah, yeah there were a lot of lot of people because motorsport is quite huge, and especially Argentina. Right. And mm -hmm. So, so it was cool, but. Now in Saudi, and I mean in Saudi, they have some crazy cars, but you don't yeah. you don't see see them out there because they're just too lazy to go out, I guess. So, like right. especially, especially in the morning, like. <laughs> uh, but it might change next year. Who knows? But I don't think that it's like they don't care so much. I guess if mm -hmm. it's not happening just right in front of them, if they need to make the effort to to go to the desert to watch it, uh, probably not. It's. That's 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 the only sad thing about it that it has moved to Saudi Arabia. I would say. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, I I don't I don't need to have the fans in the photos. Like, if if it's too many, like if it's a lot of them, then it looks cool. Mm -hmm. But if you have like mm -hmm. three yeah. four people no. somewhere in the desert, and and it, yeah. it was happening a lot, like in Peru and so the day they would just arrive yeah. in the middle of your show. It looks and, weird. Yeah. And and. I always went and tried to ask him. I was like, no, I don't, I don't give a shit. This, this is the best spot for me, so I stay here. So, well, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So this, this is good and bad by Saudi now, but otherwise, like the the landscape and everything is amazing there. So, it's cool. but not a lot of people going out with with their cars. Actually, yeah, there was well, one, one this year who probably stole my camera because. <laughs> At one spot that we were, someone stole my camera, and it was only really on, only photographers from 
like the other creative Wait, they stole your remote camera or? No, I had it, I had it in my backpack, like, because mm -hmm. my car got broken the very first day this year, which was like, uh, yeah, it was really bad because especially like for the Dakar, like I was sending a car from, from Europe because you need to have like a, like roll cage and everything in the yeah. car to be yeah. allowed to go, mm -hmm. to go to the stages. So, mm -hmm. and I was working perfectly, like for the first three days, like we, we were like before it, it started we, because we are already shooting in a desert, like a lot of shakedowns that the teams were mm -hmm. doing. I was cool. Mm -hmm. And then the first day we shot the first stage, but out of the desert on a tarmac and after like 10 K, it just, we just sat down and, uh, and we could not get it repaired because it was diesel and 99% of the cars in Saudi are just like petrol. They, they don't have any, yeah. they, they don't know, they don't know diesels. Like the only diesel is yeah. like the big trucks and say, so then I was in a different car, like for the first few days, then organizers put me in the car and, and they dropped me somewhere. And so I was there with the backpack. I usually like take the cameras and put the backpack back to the car, but it was no time for this. And I left the backpack on the ground. I, I, I saw it all the time, but someone just opened it and took my camera and lens out of it. So wow. I was either some, some other photographer who was there because it was, it was in the middle of nowhere. And, and then one local yeah. guy like appeared for, for like 20 minutes, but I don't know. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> definitely something that we're, we're very careful about. Um, and I, I hope you were insured. Uh, it was actually someone's question if, if they ever, if they ever stole any camera from, from you, any equipment. Yeah, it, we're, uh, we, we're very careful. We uh, have insurance, and luckily in the U.S., you know, we can carry firearms, so we can at least have some protection when we're shooting. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, other than that, we we pretty good in terms of not getting bothered. Then um, that's kind of one of the things that scares me when I'm traveling other countries. I can't carry firearms with me, unfortunately. But it's one of those things where, you know, we we just kind of do our best to be careful. Anytime we, we leave the car, we try to um, bring it with us. We try to carry as much of the gear with us as possible. Yeah. When are we doing well, Leno's again? Do as well, but... Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, somebody asked, when are we doing Jay Leno's uh, garage again? Uh, good, the yeah. good news is, and this is a um, um, something that I've been thinking about and whoever's watching this, they'll, they'll know that uh, I've been figuring out the next time that we're going to do a workshop at Jay Leno's Garage. Cool. Sure. So, well, it's one and a half hour. Uh, I guess mm -hmm. you're going to have to the next interview in a few minutes. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to take a five-minute break and then go on hop on the next interview. <laughs> cool. So, so yeah. yeah, so we're going to finish in here. So, so thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. Thank you for being here, and yeah. So hope to hope to see you soon somewhere. Yeah, um, no. Hopefully, um, this stuff uh, things get back to normal, and we get to uh, work together some way or another. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. I, I love your style. Your style is completely different from so many other photographers that follow off-road racing, uh, and that's kind of the fun part of it. You know. Uh, you and I could be at the same spot and our photos could look completely different. And, and I think that's really cool. Sure. Yeah. Cool.
Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. MCH Photography Podcast.